amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey everybody, yeah, welcome back. Hope you enjoy the music. Why? Because we've been playing You know, this is kind of cool. It is great to have all of you here. We are live from the floor of the Northwest Women's Show. Now, I am not sure what exactly is happening on my back here, but we'll find out in a few minutes, actually. I'm actually being uh, pampered. I love this. I love this. I should do this more often where I kind of get out there and people are, like, wanting to massage me and do some energy healing work and a whole bunch of other things. But, you know, instead, I get to do that and talk to an incredible guy. You know. one of the things I love about what I do and how I do it is I get to meet some of the most extraordinary people doing phenomenal work in the world. You know, this show is called, actually, 2012 Epic Awakening. And so part of that is that we all come from a place of what we believe. Now, if you don't think you're going to have an epic awakening, if your core beliefs aren't about that, if you think that, you know, you are destined to the gloom and doom, the grim reaper of life is your significant other, then I'm not sure what you're going to do with that, but my guest does. Joining me here today, I get to chat with this just incredible, phenomenal professional relationship consultant. He is the man that facilitates positive change and transformation. He helps others get underneath, get to that place, that subconscious, those beliefs that really keep you stuck in this lifetime, and let me tell you, probably a bunch of other lifetimes. I'm talking about Mark Rayner. He's joining me here today. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about him. You know, I can go on about his credentials, but I'm going to mention them for a little bit. He's a certified life and relationship coach, certified industrial engineering technologist, theta healing practitioner, psychological kinesthesia, I'm going to have him pronounce that, biological change facilitator, and much more. Works with corporations, talks with folks about culture, about leadership, about what it means to be in this world from a place of integrity. Today, we're going to be talking with Mark, and this is just one of many shows we're going to be doing with him, about what it means to identify your core beliefs, how they affect your lives, and how we can create positive change and transformation. Thank goodness I've got this transformation expert joining me here today. Mark, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Dr. Pat. You know, let's just talk a little bit about you for a minute. Uh, It's a question that I ask everyone, and let's set the stage. You know, it's a question I've asked. It didn't matter who, you know, whether I was talking to, you know, some guru, uh, you know, in India or a housewife in Alabama. It's this question. You know, given all that you know and all that you are, what are some of the challenges, what are some of the obstacles you personally have had to overcome, Mark, to bring you to this very moment? Well, that's a great question. 
I have to say, first of all, is I'm not any different than any of the listeners out there that have had to deal with difficulties and patterns and things that show up in our lives. And the thing that I've noticed is there's so much pain and suffering in the world. And I've had a lot of it, and I'm sure a lot of people have. And there's all kinds of different degrees of pain and suffering and how life shows up for us. But the thing that got me was the um, the patterns that kept re- repeating themselves in my life. Now, if I started when I was young, I was hospitalized quite a bit with asthma, which created a lot of separation and anxiety from my parents, because back then parents weren't allowed to stay in the hospitals with their children. So I was finding myself isolated. Uh, they had cribs and whatnot, and they sort of kept you, not sort of, they did. At 8 o'clock, parents had to leave, and then you were sort of left on your own. So I think from that, I created some patterns and some beliefs about caregivers, about the way life showed up. And and therefore, it molded my life, and it took it into what I what I like to say is kind of a painful, very difficult, hard life from that point forward. Wow. You know, I mean, I think each of us have something that we've experienced in our lives and, you know, we, we get to step back and take a look at what that is in the context of where we are today. Uh, your work uh, around poor beliefs uh, is very, very powerful. For those of you out there that want to follow us, go to Mark's website, biologicalchange.com. Uh, check it out. But let's talk about beliefs, uh, what they are. But the difference between core beliefs and the other beliefs, if there is such a difference. But let, let's talk about a, a a little bit about what they are, and, you know, especially around something like this thing that we call money, because you should be here right now, Mark. Uh, 25,000 women zipping around here, you know, got their wallets out, doing a lot of looking, buying, <laughs> yeah. you know, getting a lot of yeah. freebies here. Oh, that's great. Okay, Pat. Well, the first thing is the way I look at beliefs is we have beliefs, and I, and I call them surface-level beliefs, and those are beliefs that we believe that, when you press the gas pedal in an automobile, it will move. We believe certain things, and it's that are that are fairly standard. We believe that when we go into a restaurant, the food will be safe to eat. And of those surface level beliefs, Pat, I've got two categories that I put those in. And the first one is an internal belief: how I think I should behave in the world. And then the second one, the second side of that same belief, of at a surface level, is an external belief: how do I think the world should present itself to me. And if we were to take this to, I think, one of the most, a, a very simple explanation, and let's just say, um, let's just use opening a door for an example. Yeah. So let's say for myself, I have an, a belief at the surface level that men open doors for women. So if I was to approach a building and a woman was approaching at the same time, I would sort of rush up and open the door. And that's just a belief I have at the surface. I just think gentlemen should open doors for, for women, for ladies. Then what I have is I have an external belief. And let's say my external belief is that ladies should show some sort of appreciation, like a thank you, or that was very nice, or some sort of way that, that person would, would express some sort of appreciation. So so I now have two things operating at the surface level. I have one is I, I'm opening the door because I think I should. Then I have an attachment to that, which I, where I feel that I should be um, recognized for that. And you can see this playing out in relationships, or how a waiter, a waiter will wait on a table, 
and he'll think, well, if I do a really good job, they'll leave me a tip, okay? So then what I do is I take that and I move it to, a, to an if-then. So if the lady shows appreciation to the door being opened, then I make that mean, because I make everything mean something, I make that mean that that's a fit. So I, I say, okay, well, that's, that's great. She's a nice lady. That all worked, and off I go. Now, if I have another if-then, so if she does not show appreciation, I may make that woman mean something that's not so good or not so pleasant, or she may not, you know, I'll make her mean something. So that is at the surface level. We can see that in a relationship's path. Let's yeah. say my wife or my husband, or not my husband, but my wife or yeah. you know, your husband or whoever, waiters, waitresses, people letting people in in traffic or right. not. We have that. And, and what you and I would like, what I'd like to talk to you today is more about the core beliefs, sort of what's driving our lives. Well, you know, this is really what's important, too, because we do have these relationships. You know, one of the toughest relationships I, 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 that I understand right now that's going on uh, in, in the United States, at least, is the relationship between employee and managers or employee and bosses or employees and employees. Tremendous stress. Um, and I can only imagine what the core beliefs are that, you know, are operating in, in this place or are operating on a day-to-day -day basis. So let's talk for a minute about, um, you know, what some of those core beliefs are. Well, some of the core beliefs that really drive our lives are things like, I don't belong, I'm not enough, I'm not lovable, um, I don't deserve nice things. You know, other people will succeed, I won't. Right. We create these beliefs from our childhood. They get imprinted into us. There may be a time when someone says, well, you did this bad, so you don't deserve this or that. And right. we, we take that in, um, parents or siblings. You know, we get imprinted and programmed throughout our lives, but the primary programming happens when we're young. Uh, prenatal, it will happen um, if there's a difficult birth, uh, if there's trauma in the home, that type of thing. We will pick that up even if we're hearing other people talk to each other. You know, you may be when you're young, uh, hear a parent say, oh, yeah, well, rich people or this or that, and if we want to refer to money for a minute. Yeah. But um, then we will make that mean that, well, you know, maybe money's, maybe I don't want money. I don't want to be bad, and I don't want to be associated with that, or that'll never happen to me, or, you know, something like that. Or the parents may say, well, we're on the wrong side of the track, so don't expect to be rich. Right, right. Right? Right. I, 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 you know, the one that I grew up with, What's that? My my dad used to say this all the time. He'd say, "We're so poor, we can we don't even pay attention." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You imagine growing up with that thing, Mark. Yeah, I think we had the one where we're so broke we can't rub two pennies together. Oh, that's a good one too. Uh, my yeah. stepmom was from the south, so she would say, "You know what? We don't have a pot to pee in." Yeah. Uh, never quite understood that one. I'm still working on that though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we take those in. We do. We, believe, we really we do. We believe them. That, you know, you and I are joking about them, but, yeah. nah, we really believe them. There is so much ne uh, needless suffering out there because of what our beliefs are telling us at a very deep level. And it's, it's like the the root commander. It's like the the unconscious driver of our of our lives, of our ship, so to say. 
And we think that we're doing one thing from a conscious level, but really what's being attracted into our lives, like even relationships, you can see, why do I, why do I continue to have this relationship or that relationship that seems to leave me feeling powerless? You know, there was a study done, Pat, some, a number of years ago where this, this mother was in a very demanding, uh, overbearing, powerful, debilitating relationship. And this woman was pregnant with her child and she didn't want to leave the relationship because she felt that if she did, she wouldn't survive or she wouldn't have money, she wouldn't have housing, she wouldn't be able to look after her child. So this this gentleman was was very overbearing, leaving her feeling very powerless. And then the, the child is born and goes through life and, you know, things happen, this, that, and the other thing. But what what they found was this child went through life seeking overbearing relationships this child was seeking overbearing bosses so that it was because it knew that it would be able to survive in an overbearing environment so if this person was powerless then it would it would survive and and that's that's at the root core of who we are is survival and we do everything we do to survive well, let's talk about our culture for a minute because I've been talking okay. about it a lot. You know, uh, many people, you know, listen to the Dr. Pat show and Transformation Talk Radio. But you know, I, I, I'm from I'm from the East Coast originally, New York and um, uh, New Jersey, and and I, I'm a pop culture girl. I'm not saying I do the uh, the Jersey Shore thing, you know, watch that mm-hmm. thing on TV. But uh, but I do I do understand the influence of our pop culture. Everything from what our young people believe, you know, you have you have some children. There are things that they start to believe about themselves. Let's talk for a minute about culture, about what culture supports or doesn't in terms of how we how we become the people we are. Mark, that's that's fantastic. You know, it, it is environmental. You know, a lot of people say, well, is it biological or is it environmental? And and I find that it's a mixture of both. But the culture that we have uh, our children re- being raised in today, they're busy from 5.30 or 6 in the morning till late at night. And they're being told to go here, there, and everywhere. And there's very little downtime. And the culture that our children are growing up with is is one of, there's very little no. Um, I find that there's a lot of uh, children that pretty much get what they want, do the sports that they want for the most part. Um, there's a lot of more people, a lot more children to, alive today that have uh, affluence or, or uh, that have the ability to play sports yeah. through various programs yeah. that are available through the communities than, than there were when I was growing up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when I was growing up, girls weren't even part of that sports community. I know right. I, I'm dating myself a little bit, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, I coach a midget football team, and we have a young gal on there, and she works hard and hits harder than most of the guys, and uh, she works really hard. And, you know, for that, she's received some teasing and some bullying from kids in school. And, you know, I'm finding with the culture in our football team is they're standing up and saying, hey, this is our this is our sister. You know, we're all brothers, but this is a great, great, you know, you can have influences, good positive influences and, and maybe not so positive influences and that mold your life and that really dictate how your life will play out. She had a situation where she was she got smartest child of five. Wow. And so she got a plaque for it and she brought it home and then the parents had people over periodically for dinner and they said, Oh Nancy, bring out this plaque. We gotta show everybody what you got. And one night this 
couple were over and the fellow says to her, he says, do you realize, you know, Nancy, what this means? She says, well, it's, you know, I got, you know, the smartest child in grade five. And he says, well, actually what this means is you have to do this every year. Now, she didn't really make that mean anything at the time. But when she was done university, she looked back at her life and she said, you know what? I never really relaxed. I got such great praise from my parents and such amazing acceptance for being the smartest child that she says, I was so consumed with trying to please my parents. Right. And I was so consumed of getting the best mark. She said, I don't know if I really enjoyed my childhood. And she said, I was never told that I had to be the smartest. She said, I made it mean that I needed to be. And that's where I received acceptance. And so if there's anything that I can tell young parents today, and that is, you know, love your children. Um, it's not what you give them. It's the time you spend with them. Uh, you know, that's so true. You know, I, you know, I'll tell you, I'm struck, Mark, by uh, the example you just gave. I really am. Uh, because for me, uh, you, you know, I remember having an experience similar to that, uh, not fifth grade, but getting a, uh, being the president of the future teachers club. And, uh, my life didn't play out that way. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, there wasn't an opportunity to go to school, to be a teacher, so forth and so on. And I was, what I was really struck by, uh, what you said had to do with what I can only be the emotional life of this person. So what is the relationship between emotions and belief? Because I'm sitting listening to you, and, I, and I, my heart it just sunk by thinking of the standard that was set, not just a life basis, but on an emotional basis. Yeah. Well, the work that I've done is I worked it backwards in, in it. When I was 14, my father, I was 13, my father passed away and I looked at his life and I watched how he was in, he was in sort, he had, you know, a similar background education as his friend and his friends were doing really well. And they were succeeding and my father was struggling and he would start a new business and it would fail and he would try this and would fail and never really could get ahead. And if he did, he'd start a business and then he'd have to go back to work and make money to, to get himself out of the hole. So I had a question that really festered in my heart and it was why do two similar people start on life one gets ahead and one doesn't why is life sometimes appear to be so easy for some people and difficult for others and i spent probably 10 15 years trying to figure this out and then i worked it back from what's the reality what's showing up in a person's life and how does that make you feel and then thought well where is where do feelings come from and i found out that feelings come from thoughts and then i thought well where do thoughts come from and through a bunch of research and dealing with psychologists and various people that I determined and understood that thoughts come from beliefs. So, so if we, so if I take all that and sort of sort it out for, for everyone, um, today is that a belief creates a thought and that thought then generates a feeling and then that feeling generates an action and then that action is your reality. So, so if I was to break this down, Pat, as a color, let's say that I believe I'm orange. Yes. Uh, there's no reason for orange. It's just a color. I love let's orange, say, actually. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. So let's let's say that I was when I was two, someone told me I'm orange, and I started believing I was orange. So I had orange thoughts. <laughs> yes. Okay? And then 
then I have orange emotions, and then people treat me like I'm orange, and then that supports the fact that I'm orange. Now, now orange could be anything like I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. It could be anything like that. Or one, you know, one client of mine says, no one likes me. I don't know what it is, but no one likes me. So we get talking, and she goes, well, yeah, I knocked this person's drink over. I have no idea why I did that. But if you believe that no one likes you, you're going to have thoughts, oh, yeah, you know, I got cut off because no one likes me, or I didn't get weighted at the table because no one likes me. Then that creates a feeling, a low energy vibration. And I know you love, you know, we talk about energy and vibration. And when we're vibrating at a lower frequency, we're going to have lower, sadder feelings. And then from that, we'll do and say things that will offend people. And it's just out of the blue, and we have no idea we've done it. Then people will, will walk away from us and we'll go, see, no one likes me. I'm right. And the other really cool thing about beliefs, I don't know if it's all that cool or not, but the most important thing to beliefs is that they're true. Now, they're not true from a reality standpoint, Pat, but they're real from our own world. When we really dig down into our subconscious core beliefs and we discover what we believe, a lot of times my clients are astonished with what they believe. They go, I had no idea I believed that. But we do. And, the, and, you know, I had a friend once said, well, I wouldn't believe that if it wasn't true. Well, I know exactly what you mean. I stuttered as a kid. And, um, you, you know, uh, I believed I was stupid. Okay. Yeah, you, you know, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. If you see somebody that stutters, don't, don't we make, in general, we have some idea that they're kind of less functioning at some level? Yeah, there's something... Not quite wrong, or you, right. if you don't stand back and really look at them, yeah, right. you, you would make a judgment. Right. So here you are as a young kid, and you stutter. You yeah. know, Lord knows you, you would never know I stuttered as a kid, right, Mark? Okay. Um, but every once in a while, you, I will uh, have a little stutter on radio if I get really nervous. But one of the things that, that I discovered is, you know, I'd get asked a question, right? And I would yeah. know the answer to the question, but I couldn't get it out. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time, you know, people believe that, uh, you know, there's something wrong with you. So growing up, you know, I had the stigma of, of being stupid, not being smart oh. enough. It's, isn't that interesting? Um, and yeah. boy, I'll tell you, I strive my entire life to be smart. Um, and it, it, it's emotionally draining when we're trying to disprove a negative belief in our everyday life. You you know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. You know, isn't it, though, part of what you do to help people not have to struggle, right? Like if I had, would have met you a couple of decades ago, so to speak, you could have helped me in a way that I didn't even know I could be helped. So the question really is, you know, how do you change a belief, especially like the example I just used? You know, how do you change a belief? Uh, you know, what 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 do you do with somebody like me? Uh, I'm not there right now, by the way, Mark. But right. you know, so I don't have to go through what yeah. thirty <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. You know, the kid that stuttered is stupid. I, and, you know, yeah. that was my core belief. And so every time I made a mistake in the workplace or other places, that thing came up. How do you help somebody like me? If you look back, and in all my clients that look back that manage to change a core belief, it's that you no longer believe it's true. So as soon as I can disprove a belief, uh, Byron Katie does this as well. 
And she talks about, you know, is it true? And you can have a belief about something, um, an anorexic person that says, well, I'm, I'm fat. And then you take, you're able to take that person and say, okay, well, what does a fat person look like? And you, you're, you're able to, to dissect and able to break down the fact that they are actually not fat. Or, um, you know, we may believe in a fairy tale. We may believe in, in, in this fairy tale or that fairy tale. And you right. say, well, well, can you really, you know, if whatever it is, I break it down into segments. Mm-hmm. So if we were to, you know, uh, around Christmas time, there's uh, jolly old St. Nick who comes and, you know, and, and so I don't want to go into too much of that right now because of the listeners who may be on the radio. But there's there's components of various stories that we've learned to believe when we're younger. And if we were to take a look at forming beliefs, uh, the belief of Santa Claus is probably one of the best because we're young, we're impressionable, it's a big deal, it's exciting. So that's one belief that, you know, and, and if I can give the, the listeners any, yeah. any hope in any of this is saying, well, if I no longer believe something, what changed? Right. Because everybody has changed a belief. Right. Um, you can believe, um, you can believe you're, you're a great person. And then somebody says, well, really, if you really look at that, that wasn't a very good thing. And you go, Ooh, and then you believe you're a bad person. Right. Right. Good person. So, and the, the thing, the, the glue that holds it together is we believe it's the truth, mm-hmm. whether it is or it isn't. And most of the time it is not. But truth is what it does. So, Pat, with you, with your stuttering, is you started to realize, hey, I'm not stupid. Right. You know, I have a degree. You know, I'm a doctor. These are the types of things that you did to prove to yourself and to others that you're not stupid. You know, so uh, there's people that I know have clients that uh, were beat up. Uh, young men that were beat up when they were smaller, and they said that will never happen again, and yeah. they become bodybuilders. Yeah, oh. You know, I, my sister um, passed away on the hospital floor um, at about 500 pounds. Wow. Uh, and um, her belief, or one of her beliefs, was she would never be able to be thin or never be able to. You know, she had tried, tried, tried again over yeah. and over and over again. But the underlying belief really was, when we ultimately found out in the end, was she didn't think herself worthy of this life and blamed herself for my mother's death. And she went through an entire lifetime of that. That's why I believe your work is so important, Mark. Oh, thank you. So important. My sister tried to do it alone. Yeah. Um, I tried to do it alone early on. But boy, I'll tell you, this is not something I think we can do alone. Isn't that why you're doing what you do? You know, it really is because if you're out there trying to find the evidence that what you believe is not true, you're going to see evidence that supports what you believe. Totally. Totally. Does that make any sense how I said that? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, my sister is, again, you know, I point to my sister as an example, you know, of it over and over and over again. I mean, I'm a perfect example of it. I mean, I found evidence in my youth that I was I was not smart. That right. I, that I I mean, you know, I wasn't the you know I didn't have the greatest uh, grades in education, and there were some things I didn't do well. But then it wasn't until I got over older, Mark, that I realized there are other things I did very well. But right. you're right. I I could find the evidence. You know what I even did? I even told people that I thought I was stupid. And then when something showed up, I said, see, 
I am stupid. You know what they did? They agreed with me. So, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, how the heck yeah. do you get out of that trap? <laughs> well, because you believe it's true, so you're going to go look for the truth. You're going to go support what you believe. And then you, you have your, all your friends and family, everybody, you know, everybody around the table. <laughs> Holidays, yeah. they're stupid again. You know, and yeah. then what do you do? Then you do something stupid, and there it is. There they go. Then they yeah. go like, up. Oh, there it is. There, there it is. she is. There's your reality. There she is. Yep, can't cook a baked potato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, if we were to look at the, you know, the, the financial situation, there's a lot of people that are suffering oh. uh, right now financially. Yep. Yep. And I don't want to bring down the conversation, but it's it's the... That's a reality, though. That if it's a reality, and, and if they're trying, you know, if, if they say, you know what, I have a belief that I'll never get ahead, or I have a belief that this will never get better, or if I have a belief that, you know, yeah, this is just the way it's going to be, and this is the way my life has always been, then we're going to look for things like that. And I know this may sound simplistic, and I know it may sound like, oh, you just get out your magic paintbrush and make all my problems go away. That's not it. And, and all I'm trying to say is that it's really difficult to do this work alone. Because you really don't know what you don't know, and we have blind spots, Pat, that we can't see where the belief is sitting under. And when you're able to let that go, because we do attract things into our lives. You know, if you have a strong belief, you're going to attract into your lives things like that. You know, I and my sons came, my sons were in grade uh, three and four, I think is at the time, and we're driving home one night, and I said, Dad, I always have to read aloud. I don't want to read aloud anymore. I'm nervous. And you know. And I said, well, what are you thinking about? Well, Dad, I'm sitting there going, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. <laughs> they look through the room and they go, okay, you over there, Mr. Rayner, you can read. And uh, they're like, oh, come on. So I said, okay, well, here's what you do is think about something else. Think about your, your, your puppy dog or think about running or playing football or whatever you're doing. And they go, and then later on, weeks later, they go, Dad, hey, that works really good. They just didn't give it any energy, which didn't create the attraction. And yeah. that's what happens is you let that energy go and you, yeah. you, you divert it. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, you can only imagine being a, uh, a, young, a young kid in the Bronx. Yeah. Trust me, I would pray that they wouldn't pick me. And inevitably, I would get picked. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, I mean, you know what the definition of insanity is, right? Yeah. Right. So I think most of my teachers were insane because they kept doing the same thing over and over again with me, expecting a different response. Um, it, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, because um, you, you and I are going to do many more shows together. For those of you just tuning in, Mark Rayner joining me here today. His website is biologicalchange.com. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things in life. You know, don't you think, Mark, let's just take a moment and chat about television, if we could. Just for a second, just TV. Sure. Now, you have boys. They watch TV, right? Yes. And you watch TV. Yeah. Um, you get a show like The Bachelor, if I just can say that for a minute. It's one of the shows, but there are others. You get a show like that, and you form certain beliefs, uh, especially if you're young enough to, to watch a show like that. Now, take that exponentially with the 900 cable radio station channels you have. How do we block these mess? First of all, how do kids even, or people, how do we even identify what the messages are that are not going to serve us? And then once we do, what do we do? Turn the tube off? 
I, uh, you know, it's it's really difficult to look at a situation to to go yes. into something or watch it or be part of it or observe it and have somebody say, yeah, but you know what, that's not real. Yeah. <laughs> we have we have a thing called mirror neurons, and if you were to go into a if you were to move to a farm town, you'd be you take on those characteristics. You would start having the same mannerisms, dressing the same way, having the same um, types of language and that sort of thing, or a mining town. So it's it's if you had children, if you have for the listeners, if they have children out there that are hanging, with, their children are hanging around with a bad crowd, and they think, oh no, don't worry, uh, they won't affect me. Uh, they're kidding themselves. So if we want to equate that onto television, um, television. Is, is an area a lot of times we just turn our brain off. And and because of the, the psychological work that I do at the biological level is the brain really isn't being turned off, but there's the theta waves that are being generated. And I'll, I'll tell you that if you can do your children, the greatest favor is to, is to not have them sit in front of a television uh, unconscious. Uh, I, I personally don't think there's enough downtime for children. Uh, it's go, 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 stimulation, stimulation, stimulation. And then when they do want a break, they sit in front of a TV or they play a video game. And uh, we, we're starting to lose creativity. We're starting to lose that that me time, which I think is crucial, uh, even if you're just going for a walk and then being aware of your thoughts. There's, there's, You know, Pat, you and I could do another whole show just on that. Well, I uh, think we should do the next show yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah it's just I, there's so much that we can do for our children by keeping them busy doing other things, and, and and it doesn't have to be sports related. It could be helping at a community, but just getting out of the house. and And if there's anything I can say to the parents too, if it's at all possible, to spend as much time with your children and just let them know they're loved and and show them that they're loved. A lot of times we we hear that we're loved, but we may be um, hurt or let down or disappointed. So we will make love mean hurt and disappointment. So there's nothing we learn so much by what we see. And so um, that whole connection with your children and your loved ones and your parents, and it's just that what can you do and how can you serve those people? And and they will see that, and, and they will act that out as well. Well, you know, I mean, you this, is a, this has been a great show. I mean, we're just kind of scratching the surface here. But, you know, we do have these core beliefs. You know, right now, I think there's a core belief out there for uh, many people that are uh, over 55 and are unemployed that they're never going to find a job. You yeah. know, I, I mean, yeah. whether it's true or not true, you know, there is this idea that, you know, the market isn't, you know, going to snap you up. And uh, I have a couple of friends in that situation. And every day that goes by, you know, it's a day that goes by where the reality of that comes true and they do exactly what you just said, right? Right. There it is. I'm telling yeah. you. Went on there it is. Interviews. It's back again. I yeah. went on those interviews. I didn't get the job. There you go. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for joining me here today. and want to ask you for your personal message. What would you like to leave everyone with? Uh, you know, I think life is, is short. And I think that um, people people suffer primarily by their relationships. There's there's people that are incredibly sad because they feel they feel distant from loved ones. And I think the, my biggest message would be to telling people to be as close as you can to your loved ones and and clear the air. Get you know any resentments you have between people, just let it go. 
it's not relationships are not what we pick up along the way. It's what we let go of that <laughs> really keeps that that connection tight. And you know, husband and wife, they'll find that they're they're, they're starting to get distance from each other because of what somebody said back five years ago or did. The greatest gift that you can give each other is to let that stuff go and just be as as um, as now as you possibly can. And that you know, and that's the the course that um, that I want to do. Pat is offer a free membership or a free enrollment to the manifesting to meditation program that I'm putting on with Deb McCullough at the Banff Spring or the Chateau Lake Louise in Banff uh, in Lake Louise out uh, in Alberta and Canada that we're putting together. It's a three-day program, and it's it's on manifesting and through meditation and being able to access, understand what we believe, how to how to tap into those core beliefs and make the changes so that you're starting to, and able to manifest what you really want in your life. I love it. Mark, thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, you and I will connect again. I'm so looking forward to it. Thank you for doing all that you do. Thanks, Dr. Pat. Really enjoyed it. Oh, my gosh. Everybody, Mark Rayner, go to biologicalchange.com. We're going to take a short break when we come back. Yep, we're talking about personal guidance system tips. Yeah, 2012 and beyond. Finally, somebody's going to talk about January 1st, 2013. Right on. All right, everybody, let's take a short break. Transformation Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour.
Talk Radio is designed to attract people like you and like me. Millions of people across the globe are looking to up-level their lives. If you have a message and want to take it out on Transformation Talk Radio, make sure you give us a call, 1-800-930-2819, or send an email to host at transformationtalkradio.com and get ready to host your own show on one of the fastest-growing transformative networks in the world. Transformation Talk Radio. Healers and more. Get an on air reading with the best. 
Tune in, transformationtalkradio.com. Hey, everybody, we'll see you there. Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour. Transformation, transformation, transformation Talk Radio. Transformation, transformation. 
Talk Radio is designed to attract people like you and like me. Millions of people across the globe are looking to up-level their lives. If you have a message and want to take it out on Transformation Talk Radio, make sure you give us a call, 1-800-930-2819, or send an email to host at transformationtalkradio.com and get ready to host your own show on one of the fastest-growing transformative networks in the world. Transformation Talk Radio. Hey, everyone, you're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Don't touch that dial. We'll be beginning a brand new show at the top of the hour with one of our amazing hosts, Transformation Talk Radio. Talk radio to change the world. Transformation Talk Radio, a higher consciousness perspective. The hosts on Transformation Talk Radio offer a positive and new paradigm shift, a new vision for a collective future. They are empowering and helping all of us experience a powerful wave of personal shifts and cultural change as we break through to even greater levels of awareness. Take down our toll-free number, 1-800-930-2819. Call in, connect, Make sure you tap into some of the world's most empowering psychics, healers, and more. Get an on-air reading with the best. Tune in. TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. We'll see you there. Transformation. 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 